You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air and I here with always typical idea today's show we're going to be doing the 1999 found footage classic the blair witch project break snap 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 oh i thought you were gonna give us a cackle you're gonna be like (laughs) (laughs) yeah like that or the snake black, snake blah, 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 crackle, well, crackle, well, that was shifting, that was, baby's crying, help, help, Heather, Heather. All right, we didn't plan this intro, we never do. Admit that first. I don't know why that line sticks out with me so much in this film, but I always think about it. Admit that first. You know what line always stuck out on me? It doesn't actually exist, is I'm so scared right now because a lot of people are imitating Heather in her iconic sniffling extreme close-up scene yeah they'll say i'm so scared right now mm-hmm. uh she doesn't say that no that's like mm-hmm. a fucking beam me up scotty mandela effect people think that they hear a line that doesn't exist yeah fascinating it is fascinating because even the last time i watched this i was like oh yeah she doesn't say that so when i imitate heather <laughs> like i do all the time i shouldn't say that it should be i'm so sorry yeah. And and she says something way more fucking cool and we'll get to it. Uh she does. This is like how my brain morphs the guy who plays Josh into the lead singer of the Spin Doctors every single time. It becomes a minute since I've seen this film. It has been a minute since I've seen this film. When was the last time you watched Blair Witch Project? The last time I watched the Blair Witch Project, and let me tell you, this is between the very first time I've see, I saw it in the theaters, I saw it, if not opening weekend, within the first couple of weeks of it, uh, and this time that we just watched it, I've seen this movie in its entirety three times. Okay. The last time that I watched it was, it had to have been, I'm going to say 2008 or 2009. Really? Yeah. And Why I, not right before Blair Witch hit theaters? Y- uh, you know, w- when I was with my girlfriend at the time, we went to go see the Blair Witch, and we both came to the same conclusion. Now, you know what? We should have probably watched the first one before we saw this to get us in the mood. And, and it was like it didn't occur to us... Or there wasn't enough urgency. It probably occurred to me, but I just didn't do it. Yeah. Like like how I, I I said to myself, I'm going to rewatch John Carpenter's 1978 Halloween before I go watch the 2018 one, and I didn't do that. So well, you get a pass with that because you've seen Halloween enough times and for the show. So yeah, that that's true. But I. I didn't rewatch the Blair Witch Project, be, and and I'll be honest with you again. This, for the longest time, was not part of my horror movie collection because this was a no watch. Yeah, this was a no watch for me. 
And it was because, and we'll get into it after we go over, because there's some stuff we'll talk about before we actually get into the movie. But this movie, I mean, when people tell me what movie scared me in my life, Blair Witch Project is the number one movie that I was afraid of. And that's why we're doing it for episode 149. 49, not 150. Yeah, 150, we're going to pull the big guns and do something a little more popular, but it ties right into this whole feeling of terror that mm-hmm. we find in Wes when it comes to the forest. When it comes to the forest. This is this is the time where it crystallized, oh, I'm afraid of the woods. That's <laughs> why this movie is so scary to me. Mm-hmm. And that's why, aside from the, the gore and the slash and the fun of other in-the-woods horror films that you like very, very much, mm-hmm. you could be tense and feel tense and get a real horror movie experience from these mm-hmm. things because you're actually afraid. Of the forest. I'm afraid of the forest. And there is an authenticity to the Blair Witch Project. In particular, I know exactly when they start getting inside my head. They start getting inside my head in those early driving shots where it's the grainy black and white 16 millimeter footage of them going down this lonely dirt road with the woods encroached over it and they pass by a dilapidated old shed. That is exactly the type of fucking shit you see when I was driving towards my cottage when I was a child and the exact type of shit that I would never want to see in the night because anything could be inside that shed. Anything can be inside that shed. Anything can be inside these woods. And that that sense of isolation and that sense that I'm out of my element. I was a city kid. So someone like you, born and raised in, in uh, the, the wilds country, of the, Northern Ontario, the wilds of Northern Ontario, more rural. Yeah. You're not afraid of the woods no. at all. Every sound. I know what that sound is. That's you. Every time I hear something, I don't know what that is. And even if you say, oh, Wes, that's just a raccoon. That doesn't fucking help me at all. No. Yeah. And, and, and so this, this film really effectively captures that despite people thinking that, oh, not a lot happens in this movie. This is one of those perfect examples of when your own fears and phobias elevate something perhaps disproportionately to things that other people don't, even notice become way more significant to someone like me where I'm talking about that lonely driving shot and past that creepy barn. And I will think about that constantly. And you know, someone like you perhaps is like, what, what scene are you talking about? Oh no, I know exactly what scene because that's where like in four minutes into the film is where they got West dialed in on fear mode and four minutes into the film, they've got me dialed in in intrigue mode and I want to go to there and mm-hmm. I, I can see myself in, Heather's footsteps for the mm-hmm. most part. Me and Amy probably would go and remake something like this if it hadn't been done already because it's definitely our forte and certainly my forte because I would be like, I wonder the history of that dilapidated shed. Where's the house that is nearby that shed? Does someone traverse to that shed often? What's in that shed? Like, mm-hmm. I want to go to there where you're like, no, already. Yeah. No, already because even I would even rationalize it with practical reasons. There's probably a hornet's nest inside of there. That's what's in that fucking shed. Well, that will keep you away from the hellmouth that's obviously encasing. <laughs> exactly. There's something about there's something about these 
end of why we get to the end of the film. And I felt pretty good today because when I saw this film for the second time, it was on TV and I was like, yeah, I'm going to fucking pop this fucker in, watch this shit because why not? Like I, I'm a, I, I'm not a teenager anymore. This is not going to fucking freak me out. And it fucking the second I'm fine until they get to the fucking house. I'm always fine until they get to the house. I fucking hate that house. So you've got from the time you see a shed about four minutes in till about, oh, I don't know, maybe an hour later, mm-hmm. you're just sort of edgy and then it gets to scary yeah. when they get to the Griggs house. I don't like arguing. I don't like watching people mad. Yeah. So and And because of the fact that so much of this film is unscripted. A lot of the arguments come off as really authentic. People are yelling the way that people yell that I don't like because it makes my nerves get jangled. Yeah. So I don't like that. I would definitely be Mister. Hey, everybody! Like, let's be. I'm a. I'm. Let's make plans. Let's yeah. make a. Let's have a course of action. Let's not argue. I would be trying to be the peacekeeper. The second there there is no force in on heaven and earth that could get me into that fucking house no force at all i don't like perhaps in the moment or perhaps like i would say okay well hang on a second what if my very best friend was calling for help for me in that house there's a portion of me that's full of shit and that wants to look good because we're recording this and i don't want to seem like an asshole where i would say i would absolutely go and rescue my friends I'm not 100% sure I would go and rescue anybody. There, I would be standing outside of that house in heavy conflict because it's fucking terrifying to me. I don't I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go in that house. I hate it. I hate how fucking dilapidated it is. I hate those fucking hands all over the walls. I hate everything about that fucking house. Ooh-wee. We're going to have some fun <laughs> next week, aren't we? Well. Yeah. Well, like, I, I, am, I am wondering... Spoilers for the second fucking episode. I got almost a full-blown panic attack when I saw Blair Witch in the theaters because of a certain scene. I'm talking about the the one that came out in 2016. Yeah. yeah. As a grown-ass man. Well, I'm in my 30s. Yeah. Mind you. So, we'll see. We'll see how... We'll see. It's it's bright daylight. You're in a safe place. You've got two little dogs here to entertain you. You can look away and look at the dogs. I'll put it to you this way. I have Blair Witch uh, Project, or I have the Blair Witch on Blu-ray. So I'll bring that for us to watch. But I have not watched it since I bought it. Oh, I've seen that movie one time it's, in the theaters. It occupies the same space as this film. Remarkably different films, mm-hmm. for sure. But occupies the same space as far as the buttons it pushes in our yeah. friend Wes. Yeah. So, yeah. We've we've done it, kids. We've, we've watched a scary movie. <laughs> After 149 episodes of trying so hard. Well, for and for our newer listeners who maybe haven't been with us all the way, when we did episode 50, 100, almost 100 episodes ago, mm-hmm. we did Candyman, and that film scared me irrationally. That's the, the mind of a child, or the idea of a ghost where you say his name five times and I have this irrational fear of mirrors and shit, which still kind of makes me edgy. But that, again, goes... I'm kind of afraid of ghosts. So there's it kind of comes to that. But but that's where, you know, I'm watching Candyman as an adult and, oh my God, the music and Tony Todd's performance and the writing and it's so 
good. And, and this is just, you're looking at, I watch Candyman and I say to myself, this is a masterpiece. This is a masterpiece of cinema. This is a fucking beautiful film. I don't find it scary even a little bit anymore, but because it's like, oh, Candyman's so cool. This is so cool of a movie. Blair Witch Project still fucking, ugh. Yeah. Like, yeah, but uh, today I was all right because, again, it's the daytime. We got dogs. I got my friend Lydia, who's like my totem of power. Oh, and if there's anyone who could guide him out of these fucking woods, it's me, man. Yeah, because, again, because you, you just be like, Wes, that's a fox. Wes, that's a raccoon. Uh, you know, I know these, like, I can tell. Because, again, when I'm out of my elements, I wouldn't be able to discern. I can't tell trees from trees. That's like our discussion of the map. Yeah, yeah. I can't tell shit from shit, man. I just would just be like, I would be the dude like making like, like fucking big ass fucking markers on everything. I'd just be like, do we have a hatchet? I will fuck up a tree. I will just do one swipe into every tree just so I can always keep track of exactly where the fuck I am. I would let you do that because A, you're right. It would help make a breadcrumb trail and B, whatever makes you feel better out there, man. Yeah. Whatever makes you feel better out there. blowing off some fucking steam. Oh, yeah. Um... Because, yeah, getting out of these woods would certainly have made me feel better. And I'm pretty confident that I'd have been able to. But if we take into account things like the fact that their footage, when it was found, had been found looking like it had been out there for decades by an archaeological team. Mm-hmm. According to the myth. According to the myth. This movie. So there is some weird time thing going on. Um, they have been traveling according to a compass, the same direction for days. And they end up going in circles. So there's magnetic interference or a bunk compass or I don't know what. Mm -hmm. Ghosts. I don't fucking know. Mm -hmm. So there's something like going on. So as much as I say, oh, I'd get us out of there. Well, follow, don't Mm. you worry. There's something up in these fucking woods. Mm -hmm. Particularly particularly in this this film, there's enough information i think you could argue that there is something supernatural going on which is making these people as lost as they are but at the same time that's made explicit by the time you get to the third film oh completely i wish that we were doing all three in a row but we're not we're going to do part two some other time mm-hmm. um, we will do part two I oh do yeah do it. definitely there's some other things in that film where it'll fit into the threads that we're weaving here mm-hmm. in dead air but yeah, the third one, it's almost like they saw it coming when they made this film. There's so many things that fit so well together. There's no real heavy retcon. There's some things like the map makes an appearance and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like it is just sewn so very tightly together mm-hmm. that the making of the most recent film relied so wonderfully on what they'd built in this experiment, this project. Mm-hmm. in the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Which it basically was. Like, it was unprecedented, unreal. Like, I watched it, uh, I don't even remember really if I watched it in theater at home to begin mm-hmm. with. I have a feeling I watched it in the theater and then watched it again at home. But I know that I watched it and with my mom at home. So mm. I might have seen it before that in the theater. I'm positive I went to the theater, but it's blurry. It seems to me like something your mother wouldn't have gone to the theater you would have maybe gone because you, you know, in those days, like, yeah, I'll go to the theater or whatever. But then you definitely, your mom would be really anxious to see it. And so, of course, you would. 
watch it with your mom. And we'd been following the news. We'd both heard, independent of one another, um, an interview with the directors on CBC Radio, which was not a typical interview with directors, which is what they were doing at the beginning and the launch of this film, presenting it as a real, true mystery. And this was not a found footage film. This was found footage. Mm-hmm. that they were presenting. They had simply mm-hmm. edited it lightly, and this is footage that was found in the woods outside Burkittsville. Mm. So I knew that it wasn't real, because mm. I'd heard another follow-up interview where they talked about the film and making mm-hmm. the film like like normal film, because it's a fictional story that they wrote and directed with actors. Um and I was trying to convince my mother of that, but then she watched it and she's like, oh, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. And then her rational mind kicks in and believes when the credits roll that it's a film. But then that little tiny voice in her head says, no, this is where the fiction begins. Everything mm. we just saw is true. The credits are rolling. That's the fictional part. That's the cover up. And then she called me up a few weeks later and said, I just watched The Curse of the Blair Witch in Israel. <laughs> she com- Completely was convinced by that special. Yeah, unreal. Yeah. But this is a something that runs in our family. My uh, great grandmother, my grandma Nono, that you saw on our family videos. Yeah, she didn't believe that men walked on the moon. Yeah, that was in a studio in Hollywood. Listen, it seems to some people more plausible. People who want to deny our are uh, great accomplishments uh, or, or flat earthers. Like the conspiracy becomes more interesting than the truth. Um, it, but then when you were to ask people like, why there's never really a concrete to beat the Russians. I'm like, really? <laughs> okay. So centuries and Merrick have, have accomplished that had accomplished that for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. with A lot of people, my mom eventually came around and understood that this was like how fantastic of a, of a project this was. Yes, of course. Now, you brought up a, a really excellent point, but and and we'll get into the 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 marketing of this film and the legacy, the true legacy of the Blair Witch Project. But first, I heard that you're going to be on a podcast. Yeah, I'm stepping out. I'm stepping. I well, I stepped out a couple of weeks ago at buying torture cast. You're cheating but, on me all the time with yeah, your husband. I'm with my husband. <laughs> Sorry, man. That's that's all right. Well, this one wasn't with my husband at all. I stepped out on both of you, and went, yeah, I was interviewed alongside a fellow author, Ottawa author Matt Moore. We sat down with Brandon Crilly and Evan May to record uh, an episode of what is going to be called the Wasteland Broadcasts. It has not debuted yet. It may by the time you hear this, but their Twitter is functioning. So if you want to check it out and listen to them talk about. All sorts of art. I think they talked to Jay Ojek soon, too, which is one I really want to hear about, because you're going to hear it in an indigenous Canadian perspective on comics, mm. is what I gather. That's what Jay does, so that's what I think the show will be about. Um, at On Twitter, at BFTW Podcast. So check that out, or search for Wasteland Broadcasts, and you'll find that podcast and I think that we're the flagship episode. We shall see. That's a hell of a way to start. Mm-hmm. You being the podcast expert that you are. I don't know why that sounded sarcastic. You literally are a podcast expert. 
It was a fantastic talk on horror. Like it was really, really good. Mm. And I have high hopes for this episode, this show entirely because of the people that they have slated to talk to. Yeah. All um, right. Cool. 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 So you guys are definitely going to want to check that out. Um, now, now, now. I don't know why I did that, but now when we're talking, we're getting back to talking about the Blair Witch Project. Unless there's anything else. Is there anything else? Teresa. Guys, thanks for reminding me about my own stuff that I do. Teresa is a comic book that I write. Do you like teens? Do you like violence? Do you like teens fighting monsters? Uh, That is happening. By the time this episode airs, uh, a very big thing will happen in the comics. uh, For sure, because I've seen the pages and they're beautiful. Um, So we'll see. But I hope you guys like it and... Subscribe. It's on Webtoons. It's free. And you get the app on your phone. All that good shit. Um, Yeah. I'm low-key nervous about it just because, you know. Just because it's big. Just because it's big and just because, you know, you, you make decisions as a writer and you know this. You make decisions for characters and 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 service of the plot. And, you know, I, I think that um, I'll talk about it more perhaps as the the issue releases or, or something like that we'll see but some you know sometimes as a writer you're just like maybe i jumped the shark on this one we'll see <laughs> <laughs> i doubt it you got a pretty good gauge i got a pretty good gauge and also i think that the what i was telling i was talking to my artist today one of the things that i love about uh comics is it costs exactly the same to do something really weird and fantastic that breaks the mold of the page and also can break standard narrative structures, and it doesn't cost you any more or less to play it safe. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. So it'll it'll be it'll be really really interesting to see how that goes. But at the very least, at the very least, Chris Pagarin, my artist uh, and co-pilot on this project, uh, really uh, really knocked it out of the park with the pages. They're beautiful. They're absolutely beautiful. So cool. Yeah. Did he knock it out of the park and straight into the woods? <laughs> he might have. One thing that I wanted to bring up about the Blair Witch Project, now that we're back on track, is that I've heard over the years, it's particularly recently, I've heard people naysay or perhaps undersell or talk about Blair Witch Project in in a sense that yeah, we get it. It started found footage. Not accurate, but fair assumption. Um, but also that it exists. It's a th- it's a thing in history, but far better has been done with the stylistic choice of found footage. Or I'm so glad we're out of those found footage days or however people want to uh or it's fun footage it. but not like blair witch like it's yeah. actually good yeah yeah exactly sort of like, no i or, or they they look at you know it was like one time the one of the first times i ever heard about black christmas uh intellectually because i had seen that film when i was much younger pre-internet days i'm pretty sure yeah so, but the first time I ever heard anyone talk about black christmas intellectually they said that it was historically fascinating from the perspective of horror and film history but the film itself is not great like whereas 
and and so for the longest time, I would say like, yeah, yeah, I guess Black Christmas is more historically significant significant than it is good. So I respect it more than I like it, if that makes any sense. Of course, when you watch Black Christmas, it is more than just a, a, a historical landmark for horror. It's one of the greatest slashers ever made. Yeah. So, you know, stuff it. Whoever the hell said that when I first heard it. Well, I could be that asshole to say something like that about Suspiria, because I just never really enjoyed yeah. it myself. But I can understand other people enjoying it, so I'd probably just bite my tongue. Yeah. But with this one, there are a lot of naysayers. There is a lot of naysayers. There was naysayers at the time, and we'll get into that, but... What I think is lost in all the discussion about the Blair Witch Project was how revolutionary it was. Not because it created found footage. We've talked at length about found footage for uh, films. You can go back to, of course, Cannibal Holocaust, a film that not a lot of people have seen, even people who like horror movies. And it's not really, let's watch Cannibal Holocaust. Um, or they won't watch it because of the animal torture, not realizing there's the PETA-type version. Yeah, ex- exactly. Or, you know, oh, we've talked about the McPherson tape. We've talked about the last broadcast, which scandalously came out less than a year before the Blair Witch Project. And people at the time, including the filmmakers, said that the Blair Witch Project had ripped us off. The The two guys who made this film, Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez, they said that they were inspired by films or TV shows like In Search Of which makes sense given the time that this was made, that when they were younger, watching that type of stuff. And also The Legend of Boggy Creek, also uh, documentary style, not found footage, but still presenting the film as if it might be real. Yeah. Of course, when you go back and watch that, I can't believe... I, well, I was fooled as a child. I can't believe I was fooled as a child. Well, it speaks to something that scared you and got you and yeah. convinced you as, yeah. a, as a kid. And certainly, we got we got, a, we got a, a Sasquatch in the woods, so that was a recipe for disaster for me. So they claimed that they had never seen Cannibal Holocaust. They'd claimed that uh, they were unaware of the last broadcast. So when they created this film, it really was, uh, from their perspective... And and by the way, I believe them. There's there's no reason to think that they were lying. When they created this film, it wasn't so much that a micro-budgeted picture got picked up by a fucking studio and then they distributed it. That happens all the time. This film only cost $60,000. The difference was, was the marketing blitz that happened because of this film, coupled with the idea, the marketing know-how to say this is real. Now, we've seen that before in the history of horror Going back to both Cannibal Holocaust, people believed that film was real, but a film less talked about, but more emphasized that it might be real, was Snuff. Yeah. Yeah. Filmed in South America, where life is cheap. <laughs> uh, I've only got to start every show with you saying that. <laughs> but yeah, that that is a really good example where that myth persisted and continues to persist. Mm-hmm. In this, but in the same way, when you watch Snuff, I yeah. mean, come on, not not the myth that Snuff films don't exist. Oh yeah, Snuff they, films do exist. They, do. they unfortunately, but but the the this film Snuff with this ridiculous end tagged onto it, mm-hmm. filmed completely separately with a different actress. Um, and and uh, and and then of course that is where the 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 idea of this actress being sent away on a vacation and uh, don't tell anybody so you're in hiding and we'll release the film and you're gone and so we think it's going to be real and then 
them them saying if it was real I would be a fool to admit it and if it was a fake I'd be a fool to admit it so everyone was was just throwing that like that wink wink a carny freak show aspect of it yeah. where it's like see the amazing snuff films like you won't believe the type of shit that we've done someone dies and then people were satisfied with that i highly doubt that these guys were influenced by snuff but that is just <laughs> another example of horror has done this before so here we are in 1999 and all of a sudden here's these guys who are telling you that they found documentary footage and the ad line was, you know, in 1994, the, a film crew went to film a documentary about the Blair Witch Project. In 1995, their footage was found. Here it is. Here is um, a state-of-the-art website, a movie with a website. A movie with a website? A movie with a website. Oh, not, my God. But not just, here's the poster, it's coming out in October, check it out. I can picture the hipsters in back how they watch movies that have websites. Yeah, yeah. Nose as, in the air. I was like, I only, <laughs> I only watch films that don't have websites. Not only did they have a website, which is fantastic. We went and creeped the old internet archives and Wayback Machine to look mm-hmm. at the original iteration of the website, which I definitely went to mm-hmm. immediately. Um, but... They had The Curse of the Blair Witch, which aired on television concurrently. Yes. A documentary. An hour-long documentary in the style of a fucking Bigfoot video. Yeah. Um, and with, with film, uh, clips from the movies, new like experts called in talking about this really obscure legend of the Blair Witch that has the most <laughs> documented footage of any myth I've ever seen. The idea that they would say, like, yeah, this is kind of like an obscure thing that's kind of unprovable. I'm just like, man, you have records going back hundreds of years. You have eyewitness accounts. You have newspaper articles about eyewitness accounts. You have literal footage from the 40s about a killer that said that they were influenced by the Blitter Witch Project. You have all this evidence. The only thing that you could argue is unprovable is witchcraft. But the thing that you can't argue is that um, Ellie Kirkwood existed and that, uh, what was the name of the killer's name? Parr. Parr. He existed. Deaths did occur in... uh, The the Coffin Rock slaughter happened. That literally happened. There's all this fucking evidence courtroom it's more than the bell witch which we have very scanned record of that but yeah it's just so funny to me there's less evidence to support bigfoot yeah (laughs) right no and it's it's compelling Mm -hmm. and it it may as well have that tagline all of this may as well have that tagline of i want to believe i want to believe in the blair witch i want to believe that all this happened so that documentary came at a perfect time especially Mm -hmm. for people like my mother who had just finally married herself to the fact that this is a project of a brilliantly executed fictional story Mm -hmm. that is just that fits so well in your idea of what a backwoods haunting witch story would sound like and look like this film had a cover on Time magazine. This film was on the cover of Newsweek. This film was everywhere. This film was 
and why not? Why not put all of your you they spent sixty thousand dollars on it. The studio, Arts and Entertainment, distributed it. They bought it for a million bucks. Yeah, sure, we'll spend a couple million dollars marketing this thing in a way that they had never done before. Get some guy to build a website and 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 expand the lore so people can just sit there and read it. Make a documentary that probably cost them only a few thousand dollars to make. Mm-hmm. Let's say conservatively it cost them $10,000 to make that documentary. And then and and then we're going to put that on fucking television. And then we're going to of course have trailers and and newspaper shit and and all this other stuff. So it was old media, new media and a stylistic choice in filmmaking that hadn't been done enough times and had never been marketed this way before. Never, never, never. So, so, so the general film population was not ready for it. And it paid off gangbusters because it makes a quarter of a billion dollars. <laughs> what? <laughs> a quarter of a billion dollars. I know. Isn't that wonderful? And in, in that you want to sort of believe that these are just two guys who are like, Hey, I got an idea. Let's go try this little project idea. I'm gonna let's take some actors. We won't give them full scripts, and we're gonna hide directions out in the woods. So it's like a scavenger hunt, and we'll film it. And we know sort of what's going on, like master of games style here, dungeon mm-hmm. master style. But uh, and they sort of know what the end game is, but not exactly. And we'll film it and make a movie out of it. That sounds like fun. But I think they might have had a little more foresight as to how much they could reap for how little they've had to put as far as production value. And I don't use production value to belittle what the end product is because they definitely knew what they were doing. I mean, production value in the, in the cost, in the dollar cost. I mean, one of the other criticisms, of course, like we were talking about in our last episode is, well, I could fucking do that. Give me some fucking cameras and I'll go out in the bush and drink a couple beers and bingo bango. Bob's your uncle. Got your fucking found footage film. Ooh, scary witch. Got some piles of rocks and some sticks. Fuck. I sound like a trailer park boy, but... (laughs) Got some thinks and thoughts there, do you there, Lids? (laughs) Fucking rakens, man. That's what's out in the bush. But yeah, uh, a lot of people thinking like, oh, I could fucking do that. But like, do you got $60,000 to spare? The original... um, ballpark figure was ten to twenty thousand dollars and then it was thirty five thousand dollars and then the official final call of how much money they spent on this is about sixty thousand dollars all that's just as foggy and hazy as actual blair witch myth itself yeah but i don't got sixty thousand dollars to go traipsing around in the bush with two good two cameras no neither do i that's there is something about the legacy of the Blair Witch Project where it had been imitated or it has been imitated so many times that not only do people forget about the Blair Witch Project being so revolutionary in terms of marketing and, of course, to the general population, something that seemed that its stylistic choice was incredibly fresh and new. Um, the fa- What gets lost also is with incredibly few really obscure exceptions no found footage is as raw and like punk rock as this one is they've mm-hmm. never they've never duplicated it they've gotten close there was a found footage film which name is escaping me and i literally was trying to look it up i can't find the name of the film but it was a found footage film that was about something that 
one person could see either only through the lens of a camera or or whatever and i'm not confusing it with fatal frame i'm i'm <laughs> i'm I, I that one was as amateurish looking as the blair witch project but it's the the lack of a real script that is something that is not you can't really duplicate that because mm-hmm. you're going to try and rein in so much control to drive mm-hmm. something to end up looking and feeling like the Blair Witch did mm-hmm. that you can't just let people run amok because everyone sort of has their own idea of how it was accomplished when it is so very simple, but it is irreproducible because you've got in your mind now what you're trying to reproduce. If you could find people that had never seen the Blair Witch before, you may be able to pull it off, but... Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it has to do with the fact that uh, that film has transitioned from reels and tape to digital. That's so it's more difficult to make things look the way they were, but also it's not just the fact that it's unscripted. It's the black and white footage. It's the 16 millimeter. It's the long sequences of pure darkness. There's no until the very end, no digital fuck-ups of cameras. There's no, you know, I'm looking in the corner and I can see the record thing or I can see a timestamp. Uh, I hate that bullcrap. Yeah. Who records like that? Nobody. Well, yeah. my dad does. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, y- you, y- you, can, y- you can forgive people for recording, fil- for making films like that because they are trying really hard to make something so fake look so real because... Again, they're duplicating the idea. They're duplicating found footage. But the Blair Witch Project really had to try a lot less hard because they had no money. And it really is just people wandering around in the woods. And some people might think that's boring and they don't care or they don't like... uh, the starts and stops of people's speeches. They don't like people screaming at the top of their lungs. Or one of the earliest criticisms I ever heard of the film was, oh, it's boring. They're just like walking around in the woods. And that just goes to show you that something that can be so tense for me is is meaningless to somebody who's not afraid of that whatsoever. But But nobody has fucking duplicated it. Nobody. No, and you had mentioned the film that comes the most close to this in your mind why don't you tell the kids what, what the film that is? Oh, uh, so I had mentioned before we had started that the only film that at the very least combined capturing people's imagination, but also aesthetically looks a lot like this, as, as opposed to the, the camera found footage film that I can't remember the name of, is Paranormal Activity. And you posit that it's also that the dialogue comes across as realistic. The dialogue does come across as more realistic. Again, you're not dealing with with professional actors. You're not dealing with... I don't know how strong the script is. Some things do seem pretty scripted, which is where... You know, Paranormal Activity, I know that people really like that film. Uh, I like it enough. It's okay. Uh, I find the sequels are actually a little better. But... um, yeah, that's right. I said it. That's that's a that's a see. You railed against Hereditary recently. <laughs> I I'm not gonna take up time railing against Paranormal Activity, but I will say it, we will never fucking do any of them pieces of shit shows on Dead Air ever. I will never. You will have to get a guest 
in if you ever want to talk about those movies because I hated them. I hated them. I hated them. I hated them. The best scene in all the paranormal activities, and they got worse as they went, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, was when she's caught on the, um, the night vision camera that they've set up in their room. And she just stands by the bed, just like for like a, a little bit, three hours, or three some hours shit. or something like that. Yeah, that is terrifying to me. That yeah. is terrifying to me. And Did it's you... that if I were to watch footage of myself doing that, I would check myself straight in to the nearest psychiatric unit. Yeah, uh, I know that you don't like the paranormal I activity fucking movies. I hate those movies. They, they... Waste of time. I just yeah. Anyway, but uh, this really reminds me a lot of Poughkeepsie tapes. Which, mm-hmm. if you want to, I'm going to throw to Bind Torture Cast, like I like to do. Episode 148, they talk about Poughkeepsie tapes, and it's somewhat found footage, but it's sort of a level above that where it's documentaries about what people had seen on this found footage, and they show very little of the actual footage. And mm-hmm. it's a lot of experts and talking, and it's a lot like a true crime show. So if you like that, like uh, Discovery ID and all that stuff, um, or whatever is a popular true crime shows right now, like 48 Hours or whatever. Um, that is a fucking fantastic movie. And it's the sort of movie that if somebody walks in while you're watching it, they won't know that they're watching a fictional account of a serial killer that doesn't exist. It's so fucking well done. A lot like the first, like, maybe uh, 10 to 20 minutes of Blair Witch where they're talking to townsfolk in Burkittsville that they're asking them about the Blair Witch and a lot like Curse of the Blair Witch. It's a hell of a lot like Curse of the Blair Witch where it is this like talk show about it. It's not talk show, but like documentary talk about it, which I think is so fascinating. And Poughkeepsie Tapes actually does scare me quite a bit if it were if it were real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Poughkeepsie Tapes are very, very, is, is very, very good. Uh, yeah, it's a solid... Uh, that's a solid poll. I had watched on YouTube before they covered it on Bind Torture Cast, and it's a crummy version, but it was finally released, which is wonderful. But it took years for it to come out, so they didn't have a chance. And I don't know if they ever would have conceived of doing quite what the Blair Witch Project did. Mm. Uh, and I think people would see through it so clearly now if you try and pull the tricks that the Blair Witch Project people did, mm-hmm. where... It's sort of like, we're trying to convince you, but if you allow yourself to be convinced, it's your own fault. And mm-hmm. if you believe in the Blair Witch and mm-hmm. believe that this special Curse of the Blair Witch is real, mm-hmm. it's your own fault. But they'll yeah. roll with it. Because yeah. their website, I remember going to their website, and it was like it was probably like two years later that they were selling the DVDs of the movie, like a normal website. But up until that point, it was just an expansion on the lore. Yeah. The lore of this woman who, when the town was called Blair before it was Burkittsville, uh, was ousted, tied up in the woods, froze to death, so we believe, but comes back, takes half their children, the townspeople start dying, and then it becomes a ghost town. And then for a century, this town was forgotten and, and becomes rediscovered becomes Burkittsville, and then the history continues with little pox of bad things happening, either water, creeks turning black, people going missing, a killer hermit up in the woods, uh, all types of stuff like that, which all contribute to this. And it's so... 
it's so weird because I definitely had the thought, not that the film was real, but, oh, is the legend real? Yeah, yeah. That that becomes the easiest thing for you to fool if the legend was real and then you just create a narrative around it. Then if anyone were to look it up, you would find a whole lot of old information about this legend. And then perhaps if that was real, then then maybe the movie was real. Maybe it's not a movie, maybe it is. And everyone now takes for granted when they see a, a found footage film. We've We've, you know been to the carnival we know how the rides work so we're not going to get fooled as you were saying but back then not enough people were familiar with the style not enough people uh you know yes but obviously people like poo-pooed it and 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 would have wondered why is they why are they wasting our time with documentaries this and the other thing but man it worked it fucking it worked totally and worked. and but no other found footage film could market itself like that ever again they the they were the first and the only in from the the 90s going into the 2000s that ever could market themselves as a real found documentary footage thing and then be like oh yeah <laughs> it's fucking fake don't worry about it no other found footage film ever came out after that as anything other than we're doing in the style of found footage and sort of thinly veiled true reason to that was this movie made a lot of money so another found footage movie ought to make a lot of money and it cost nothing to make so it it, it was really really um enticing but now found footage films can still cost you millions yeah 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 especially if you're really striving to make them look like real found footage films Mm -hmm. and i think about the closest that that we've come as far as like a really big fairly big budget films that look pretty close to believable and the reasons why people are touting these cameras around is cloverfield they did a very good job but i mean I think that a lot of the success of this and the success of the sleight of hand that they were pulling at the time was things like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There's still people that think that's a true story because it yeah. says so. Yeah. It, t- it says that it is. Yeah. So when you tell somebody that it's not, they're thinking, their older style thinking is, well, can they do that? Can they lie on film? Mm-hmm. Where nowadays we don't believe a fucking thing we see. We hardly believe anything we fucking read anymore because yeah. everyone's out to pull the wool over our eyes or be slanted or biased or just make shit up or fake news and crap like that. Mm-hmm. Deep you know, fakes, man. You don't even know who's fucking who anymore. No, it's disturbing <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. But back then, with something like this, is you feel deeply uncomfortable if film is lying to you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love the idea. And I loved going to the website with my mother <laughs> and showing her, <laughs> look, you can buy the fucking movie. Look, it's a documentary. They're selling the documentary with the movie. Like, it's not, you know, when you click on the bios, and at the time, it wasn't like it was when the website first launched, where they had Heather's Diary and photos recovered from the site it was behind the scenes footage of the filmmaking and bio bios of the filmmakers not bios of the missing kids <laughs> so yeah they had like dropped that veil thankfully because mm-hmm. my poor mother might have still been like i want to believe well i told you that i have a story from my actual life where where one of my friends, I can't remember if it was their father or their grandfather, but he fucking, sw- 
Those kids are fucking missing. Those kids are dead. Just, I saw an authentic documentary. 100% believed what my mom nearly swallowed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is is mind-bending to me. But at the same time, I could see it. I saw the Blair Witch Project in theaters by myself. No one would go with me. And it wasn't... I think it was a combination of... like None of my friends, like I said before, were horror fans. I think some of them thought it was all right. But certainly not... I'm going to go see what is this. Like this grainy, shaky, 16 millimeter fucking thing. I don't care about that. And then uh, one of my friends... He admitted to me, uh, his name was Toby's. He said, it just seems too scary to me, man. I don't want to, I don't want to watch that. So I was like, all right, man. All right. So I, back in those days, I used to always go to the movies with like a pack of boys. Always. Yeah. We went to the movie theater almost every weekend and would see everything. And I I was really at a loss. Like no one wants to go with me. So I went myself and that actually it wasn't the first time I'd ever been to the movies by myself, but it was one of the first times I'd ever been to the movie theaters by myself. Now I do it all the fucking time. Well, yeah, but it might have scared you a little more, I think. Yeah. I think it would have been nicer to have someone with you through this. <laughs> yeah, and I remember going home and telling my parents all about it. Yeah. High energy, me just trying to get out all my anxieties and shit, just trying to explain it. This was so crazy. So I just, I remember, I so crazy. This is so crazy. And I was like 16 years old. Mm-hmm. I had mm-hmm. seen some fucking shit, man, and some things. Yeah, yeah. Where And, and something so muted. Something where you, it's hard to argue someone saying, you don't know what happens in that movie. I'm like. Partially, yeah. but then I look at my notes and I'm like, well, you know, a lot does happen in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, if. If you're sold on it, if you can put yourself in the shoes of these kids, if you're not already approaching it with a chip on your shoulder and being like, well, I'd never fucking go out there. So what the fuck is this? Like, it's all fake anyway. You know, you're going to be an asshole about it. But from the time when they're driving in, like you say, where that the forest creates a canopy over the road and they park their car and they head off with their map into the woods, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot happens. A lot has already fucking happened by that point. We've established a pretty robust myth. We've established these characters and who they are and what their motivation is. Mm. Here's your fucking motivation. That's another really <laughs> wonderful scene later on yeah. in the film. But and you know, we've we've talked a lot about the why and wherefore of this film, but it is in a nutshell, yeah, three kids walking around. But it's psychological. It's built as a psychological horror film. So mm-hmm. I guess it's only effective if you actually have some psychology to play with up there. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we have been pulling the taffy on this a little bit. The fuck's this movie about even anyways, Lydia? It is about how going into the woods with no matter what sort of big plan, no matter what sort of preparedness, whether or not you are ready for whatever you're walking into... You should maybe not go into the creepy houses that you find while you're doing it. Not only because the floor might be spongy, but you might all die. (laughs) You might all die. So beware houses in the woods, kids. You're not even joking. You're talking about fucking being prepared for being out in the woods. 
these guys look like they knew that they were going to be in those woods for a fucking week. Their packs are huge. Their packs are kind of huge, but they have audiovisual equipment. They're recording on a 16 mil. They have loads of batteries, and they set up at the beginning saying things like, we have batteries to power a small nation for mm-hmm. a week, which, yeah, they're prepared that way. They have some food, a bit mm-hmm. of water and stuff. Like They got Vienna sausages, which are the most disgusting thing ever produced as food stuff by man <laughs> and they have like the dat which they keep referring to the dat um they have their digital audio tape so they're shooting i suppose on old 16 mil that isn't um super 16 so it doesn't have sound there's mm-hmm. no sound strip in it so they have to record digital audio tape to splice in later along with the 16 mil so it has sound like a little, little carry-on packet is huh? that's why they're so so like it's not just the uh the lingo and the ritual of filmmaking they have that clapper and they need the clapper because they have to sync the dat to the 16 mil later right Mm. so they have their sound guy which is mike and he is carrying the dat i suppose and they have 16 mil and they have a video camera which doesn't take a lot of gear but it still does take batteries those things and they they run through batteries pretty quickly so they probably had a good couple pounds of those and tape and film so they got a lot of stuff and tents and well a tent and bed rolls maybe a change of clothes that's a lot of stuff toilet paper you would assume toilet paper oh, i hope toilet paper. i didn't see any well well it's not even that kind of movie we don't see them do anything hinky they don't get up to nicotine volume bucket and marijuana ecstasy and alcohol as the kids do in Blair Witch 2 there's no boinking thank <laughs> fucking god that, we don't even see people brush their teeth yeah I bet you they didn't I'll bet you they did off camera we sort of see Heather pee at one point but you're right no toilet paper unless if we look close now I want to rewatch it and see if we see any hint or mention of toilet paper do they have toiletries at all I know we'd have to watch a shopping trip because we're privy to a lot. Really, when we think about it, there's gold mines of information in this movie. There really is. Mm-hmm. In such a way that when uh, things are setting up into the film, you uh, I always forget about the long intro. There is a point in this movie where it does start as a documentary. They are doing interviews, and this is how they are crafting the lore. You don't have to watch Curse of the Blair Witch Project. You don't need that. It helps. Oh yeah, it's way fun. It makes it more fun. True, but uh, you can you can just watch this movie and they will they will build this up by their their colorful cast of characters uh, to get they get a lot of local color. A lot of local color, and I really like the casting of these people. Some were actors, some were not, apparently. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. And in, in the twenty four hours of footage that the Blair Witch Project, as it was on the cutting room in the cutting room. I don't know how much of the actors versus town folk made it to the final film because I wasn't there. Um, but I really enjoyed the the woman with the baby. They're talking to a woman. She has a baby and she's talking about, oh, yeah, I heard all about the Blair Witch. They took her out in the forest and they did this. And then I never go up there anymore, blah, blah, blah. And her child keeps covering her mouth while she's talking and then finally grabs her face and yells no in her face, mm. which apparently was unscripted. So I don't know if that woman was an actor or not, but that baby screaming in her face was like, yeah. So I don't know if they'd stumble upon some sort of 
myth around Germantown, Burkittsville, Maryland, or if that was an actor, but her kid obviously wasn't. They didn't direct the kid to do that. So it was just a really cool moment. Um, Some of the old guys they talked to Mm -hmm. are are pretty cool, really nice uh, guys that they found that they cast for this, which makes it even more believable. And the very best one has got to be the girl that plays Mary Brown. Mm. Now, Mary Brown had had, when she was younger and her father was fishing, um, a very strange happening in the wood. And that woman is cast by a very elderly lady. I don't know. She passed away probably about 10, 15 years ago now. But she is. She was never in any other films, but she's credited as the art director mm. for this film, Blair Witch Project. We surmise that she made all of the stick crafts that mm-hmm. we see later. Well, yeah, I, I only th- assume that because, I mean, what else art are you doing? Yeah, right. And, and also... Maybe she drew the map. Maybe she drew the map. Or, and also her front gate was made of sticks. Yeah. Right? So it just kind of made me think about it. That kid scene that you're talking about is really good. It's ominous because it makes it seem as though this child is privy to something. And this witch preyed on children. This witch was outed by children. That is why she got her revenge first on children. She's like fucking Freddy Krueger. She is like Freddy Krueger. So it made sense that perhaps in the same way that they say that animals can sense evil, perhaps children more like animals than humans, in my opinion, at the very least, uh, uh, could still have that sense, that sense of, you know, like they don't want you to fucking say her name. You don't want to, like, yeah. she's like fucking like Voldemort. Vol- I was going to say, she's like fucking Voldemort. <laughs> That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. It, yeah. It's like, don't speak this evil. If you speak this evil, it will bring evil to the town. And they all live there and things periodically do happen. And it's when people perhaps wander too close to those woods or perhaps. Say something with with a with a hint of hubris, of uh, or perhaps mocking this this witch, and perhaps that brings the evil there. And that kid is just don't talk about this. And and the kid barely seems like it has a grasp on the fucking English language, let alone. But it knows that what this woman is saying is inherently evil. So I agree. Like it's a it really captures the imagination. I'd love that scene. Love yeah. that scene. And accident or not, mm-hmm. I mean, it it fits so very well with what they're trying mm-hmm. to do. And it's those little scenes that would help convince somebody who didn't believe in the moon landing either, right? Yeah. Now, Mary Brown's description of the, the Blair Witch is also really fascinating to me because it's something that doesn't necessarily carry forward. There was Blair Witch action figures, even though the, the, this you know entity spoilers if you don't know doesn't actually make a physical appearance in this. And by the time we get to the third movie, we do see the Blair Witch Project, and I'm going to save my discussion of that when we're actually talking about the movie. But um, this description makes her seem almost um, almost like a pan-like figure covered in coarse ha- uh, horse hair. And 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 shit. The body of a woman, but still very gnostic, very uh, animalistic, very like Green Man, but like yeah, yeah. like Pan, like you say, very yeah. yeah, not exactly what we envision here in no. 2019. 
No. But, yeah, and, and not really what we envisioned at that time either. So you almost want to say there's so many strange occurrences out there. This could even be only somewhat related to the original story mm-hmm. of Ella. Or is that her name? Ellie. Ellie, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that and we have the killer that's almost like a Ed Geeney kind of guy yeah. that ends up living up in the woods. And we hear about this from a different townsfolk where he had come back into town after a lot of children had gone missing and said, I'm finally done. Mm-hmm. And no one really knew what he meant till they went up and checked his old house out in the woods and found dead children. Mm-hmm. And what he had done is brought this group of children and brought them into the house in pairs and had one stand in the corner facing away while he killed the other. Mm-hmm. So in his words, something about the eyes couldn't see him. Mm-hmm. And then he would kill the the kids standing in the corner and then mm-hmm. two more would, would go through this. So we hear about that portion of the story, which it's just that the ground is cursed by this point. Mm-hmm. There, there is at the very least they can all agree. Well, the people who believe that there is an evil presence and some manifested as the witch. This man said that he heard voices. I mean, you can learn a lot more about that from the Curse of the Blair Witch Project documentary. That wasn't the only incident that that happened. At the very least, that they had concrete proof that happened. Seven children absolutely did die in that house. Absolutely. There's evidence they fa- they had a killer, they captured the killer, they hung the killer. In real life? No. no. Okay. In 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 this in the in the fiction of this movie. Okay. The other thing that happened that we learn is what happened on Coffin Rock. Yeah, that and that was even worse in a way because that was a search party for the kids. Yeah. The first search party that went into the woods looking for these children never came back. A second search party comes to find the first search party, and they find these men stripped naked, disemboweled, sun bleached from the from exposure, with uh, primitive symbols carved onto their bodies. And then when they go back to retrieve the bodies, the bodies are gone. Wonderful stuff. Wonderful, Wonderful stuff. stuff. That's the sort of myth I want to sink my teeth into. All of them. It's like ten myths in one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a bargain curse, man. I like this. <laughs> three, three curses for a dollar you'll get. And so much deaths. Those yeah. hills truly do run red. So it's fucking gold for these documentarians who have got wind of this small town myth. The ringleader is Heather. Now, Heather, the, the one thing that I think I always uh, that I think it was worth mentioning is it seems on some level that she is somewhat familiar with Josh. They seem to be kind of friends. Yeah. Mike, on the other hand, they don't seem to really know all that well. Yeah. They, this is their first meeting with him, so it's pre-internet. So it's not like they found him on Kijiji, but yeah, it was, it was like probably someone in town that oh, I know this guy who is interested in filmmaking. Maybe he's in their class, but he's a dude that they didn't really talk to. Yeah, it's, could be. It's hard or to he's say. like, he was second year last year, and now he's graduated, or they're yeah. second year and he's first year, or... Something like that. He works in the sound department at the news station, and someone else knows yeah. him. Yeah, they don't know him. Yeah, I mean, he's the dude holding the boom, basically. Pretty much. But 
Josh and Heather are familiar. They're friends. They're yeah. not besties. Yeah. But they're close enough. Yeah. And so that's, I think that's what makes the tension seem so accurate. It makes it seem so real to me because friends can rationalize with each other. These people are almost strangers. Almost strangers. And there's only three of them. And I like that very much. It's not a big gang. We don't have our like Shaggy and Scooby and our Velma and our <laughs> Freddy. We don't have that. Yeah. You don't need it. And and again, this being so psychological, watching the 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 peaks and valleys of these people's psyche, watching how it ebbs and flows, this person's losing it. This person's trying to be rational. This person's uh, just sad. This person's in denial. Now, okay, now we're switching. This person's mad. This, per- you know what I mean? And so we get to see people who are at their best and worst at all times taking on different realistic roles and and i think that that is what is so authentic about these people because these actors were used their real names they had no scripted dialogue and when you two are mad and you're trying to calm them down okay now you're upset and this person's said there's different levels of of uh anger frustration um arrogance uh, they band together and they split apart they form alliances break those alliances continuously mm-hmm. as well and it's pretty subtle because it's not like hello Wes I would like to make an alliance with you against Josh hey wait a second Josh I'm on your side wait you're right and again Heather okay Wes mm-hmm. let's go this way and you know like it's not like it's yeah. very subtle the way that those alliances move and it starts Oh, it starts to go downhill almost immediately going into the woods. Once they're done their documentaries, day one of filming, no, talk to the locals, blah, blah, blah. We went to the cemetery, got our opening shot, everything's blah, good. Blah, blah, blah. And then you fucking, like, let me ask you this. And I mean, and I'm not trying to. To be like, wouldn't it make more sense that they did blah, 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 because they didn't go into the woods. You don't have a fucking movie. Imbeciles. But do you, if you were doing this, would you actually go into the woods, even for a day trip? Or would you just find the most rural looking bush you can and stand in front of it and just say whatever the fuck you need to say and then be like, here we are in the woods? Or would you actually feel like we need to go into the woods, find the house, or do we need to find our artifacts, what what would you do? Well, it's almost like they didn't realize that the woods were there. They knew the cemetery was there, and they knew the second cemetery was there, or what was like a second cemetery. Now, I would do a little from column A, a little from column B. You can't tell a bush from a bush necessarily, and I wouldn't be positing it completely falsely, like, here we are outside the very bushes <laughs> that surround the area of this Coffin Rock. Here. Like, yeah. we'd have to go to Coffin Rock. You yeah. have to go to Coffin Rock. You just have to go to Coffin Rocks. But I would, like, write a line on the map, like, to show the path so that if anyone else were looking at the map, they wouldn't be like, well, this is Greek to me. I don't even know where we are. You would know where you are. And be marking things as you go just because you're not in your backyard you don't Mm -hmm. know the area so you'd be a little more diligent about that and you'd have a better idea of how long you're going to be out there i mean i might i I don't i wouldn't want to plan an overnight they're not that far from a town there's got to be a and b in burkittsville Mm -hmm. there's got to be so 
I would have planned something different as far as accommodations or hike in, do some things that like one location, the cemetery, hike out, sleep in the car, hike back into Coffin Rock, do Coffin Rock footage, hike back to the car. Like I wouldn't go out and stay in those woods necessarily. They're not prepared fully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would at the very least, there's got to be someone in town. Give them a hundred bucks. Do you have a hundred dollars? Like I'll, I'll give you, if this was mattered to, if this mattered to me so much, I would find a hundred dollars and I'd just be like, Hey man, can you show us these places? I'll give you a hundred dollars. Here's a hundred dollars. I might, although they weren't, they didn't go very far to discover this. It's not like they're going across state lines or anything, mm-hmm. and they're not an entirely 100% unknown territory. Like the war, the forest they're in is unknown. The town they're in is unknown, but they're not like in a foreign land. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be inclined to get a guide. I don't think I'd be inclined to get a guide because the things that they're looking for are fairly obvious and they know where they're going according to the map, but they're not prepared for this, like this arduous shoot that it turns out to be true particularly once they get into the woods immediately uh mike is do you know where you're going do you know where you're going and heather diligent heather with the map very confident spitfire is yes i know where we're going i absolutely know where we're going everything is absolutely fucking fine this really reminds me of when i was in junior high and a bunch of friends or one friend went on a field trip to the Billings Bridge Manor, which is uh, an area here in Ottawa. And there was the cemetery there or whatever. And he said the cemetery was really cool. Let's go check it out for lunch on our lunch break. And so me and a pack of boys went and it was way farther than he fucking... Three hours later. Seriously. And, and, and we're just like, where is it? And we're trying to go as fast as we fucking can. And then we we literally had enough time to get to the edge of the cemetery. And I didn't even fucking see it. Yeah. It was just like, here's the cemetery. We had to fucking run back as fast as we fucking could. And we had to take these crazy shortcuts. And it was wet and muddy. And we all got back to school filthy, covered in mud, our clothes fucking ruined. Late. We were 150% fucking late to get back to class. It was a fucking disaster but my point being is the whole time our ringleader he was i know where we're going it's a couple of minutes a couple of minutes a couple more minutes always and that's what heather's doing she won't admit that she doesn't necessarily know where she's going but at the beginning she doesn't have to they're already doubting her direction skills she finds coffin rock and i'm not entirely convinced they find the graveyard i think they find a collection of artifacts. I don't really know. Yeah, they know. find some cairns, but whether those were placed there recently or not, who knows? But who there knows? are, it is the right number. Yeah. But, I mean, then you're thinking, I'd almost agree with the story that maybe some of these hippie cultists, because, oh yeah, there's hippie cultists that are following the Blair Witch myth and have gone out in the forest often in the 70s. So years before, but... You know, Josh tosses out, like, could there be some of these hippie cultists left over fucking with us? Yeah. When it comes to that particular cemetery, it's like, well, that could be someone fucking with you. Yeah. They did plan to stay one night. Mm -hmm. That is definitely certain. They planned to stay one night. They all knew they were, they all signed up for one night. 
they were already cranky before a night even fell, really, mm-hmm. about being able to find their way through the woods. And I think that it could be just a little bit of nerves about being in the forest because it sounds all very well and good until you're in the middle of it and you realize you can't hear any more cars anymore. Mm-hmm. You can't see any planes flying overhead. Mm-hmm. You're not sure about the wild animals because you might have anticipated some chipmunks, but there could be other things out there. You maybe didn't anticipate how hungry you would be for different foods because of how much walking you'd done Mm -hmm. or how much water you would consume. So those are sort of things that could be weighing on them at Mm -hmm. this point. They do hear some noises overnight. Yeah, Josh in particular. Heather slept like a rock, she says. Mm -hmm. Josh definitely heard it sounded like there was two voices coming from two different directions. And he thought one of the, one of the, th- the sounds could have been an owl. Yeah. But the other sound definitely sounded like cackling. And he even, the acting here is really well because he's sort of, you can see in his face, he's like, they're not going to believe a fucking word I'm saying because I'm about to say cackling. And he just says it because it's like, and I shit you not. No, yeah. I'm not fucking around. It sounded like fucking cackling. Yeah. And he knows how crazy that sounds. Particularly when you say witch, because the second you go, okay, we're out here looking for the Blair witch. And then you think of that old Warner Brothers witch, like green skin and like the bent nose, like, <laughs> And it was like cackling, really. So the witch we're out here looking for is like a cartoon witch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that yep. That's exactly a, what I heard. Pointy hat and broomstick. Is that what we're trying to say? Yep. Yep. I was like, can't you just say like there was some high pitched laughter? It's like, no, you have to say cackling. So he knows how cranky or he knows how crazy that sounds. Everyone's kind of cranky because it was rainy overnight. It wasn't like the best setup that they could have envisioned. Maybe they figured it would be like a perfect little campsite and everything like that. But they are in the middle of the woods, so mm-hmm. they couldn't plan for stuff like that. They get walking again. And this is the day where it turns into how far do we have to go? How much farther do we have to go? Mm-hmm. And she keeps saying like, oh, just another mile, another two miles, another hour, another mm-hmm. 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. And... Mike starts losing his shit. He starts losing his shit because he said he keeps thinking that she's lost. He has he has no he doesn't really know this woman, right? So he has no reason to have faith in her. And then she keeps saying it's it's five minutes, it's it's uh, one hour, it's two hours, now it's three hours, maybe it's four hours, you don't know. And then she bites back with you agreed to do this, and then he said, I agree to a scouted film location like scouted out and and this has not been scouted clearly yeah not walking around in the woods for hours yeah they do all consult the map and they do it's an okay map it's fine map it doesn't have a route marked on it which is Mm. the point of maps really like a map's great if you know where you're going like heather claims she does and i don't disbelieve her i believe she believes that she knows where she's going Mm -hmm. and but you write on the map that's like how you use them number one and number two it does have some topographical markings on it so it's not hard to look around you don't just look at the map and try and figure out in your head where you are on it use the map by looking around you but Mm -hmm. they do have a river to follow so that's helpful unless there's multiple rivers on this map but they have been following the river and she keeps going back to that like here's the river here's where we came from 
almost adding on, I think, <laughs> to yeah. where they are on mm -hmm. the map. So she sort of proves to them with the map once or twice. See, this is where we are. This is where we're going. Got the map. It's all mm -hmm. good. Got a compass and a map. What more do you need? Uh, well, <laughs> you're going to need uh, people who have a concrete understanding of how maps work and uh, cool heads about them. Mm-hmm. They do get some more footage, though. They so, do. They, and, and every time they encounter footage, they go back into footage mode. But the one who seems to linger on the footage the most, to the point in which you, people are barking at her, all right, we shot everything, is Heather. Mm -hmm. She seems to be really fixated on everything. Which is, to be fair, she is the intrepid uh, mastermind of this whole operation. This is what they're there for. Um it does get to a point in which the uh, filming of, of everything becomes more habitual and then perhaps a, a crutch uh, emotionally for her. But at this point, it still makes perfect sense to me. Well, I mean, it makes perfect sense about the entire film, but it makes perfect sense that she's still now, we're here to film weird shit. Here's the, here's evidence that we didn't even dream of. Yeah. Like we, we were going to go to the gravesite. We were going to go to coffin rock and these are the literal historical things that happened. But now there's fucking stick men hanging from trees. No one talked about this. What is this? What are these bizarre totems? And you're only going to be out there once, hopefully. And you want to get every angle. You don't want to be getting this footage back home to edit it and realize you should have just stepped back another foot. Like, you're going to try and get everything. Mm -hmm. But she is lingering. She's mystified by all of this mm -hmm. while the other two are angry and just want out and want to go back to the car and get home yeah once they're once they're leaving it's raining again that doesn't fucking help and the looks that they give heather every time they're asking her about do you know where we're going and she is just reassuring them yes it's, like it's soon it's soon we're, we just got to get to the car we just got to get to the car and it's going to be fine and i know where we're going and sure enough, they keep giving her these glances back that really they don't trust. They don't trust her. And even Josh, who does know her a little better, is not convinced. But it's more that he's like, okay, Heather's got her head up her own ass right now. She's not. She's too proud to admit that she doesn't have a handle on exactly where they are. Let me just keep looking at the map. And then it's, it's like, okay, just like two more hours. And he's like, well, in five minutes, we're doing a, a, a map check. I'm like, all right. Yep. They all look at the map. And at this point, like, it has been really apparent. Whether they know how to follow a map or not, they are saying, we aren't seeing things that we saw on the way in. Mm -hmm. The one thing that sets Josh off, really, is the fact that they're going in a different direction than when they came. So wait a second. We came this way. But now we are going a different way to get out of here. Heather's logic being, this is the we had to t make two trips, which is why I agree with you with your idea of why are you doing two sites in one hike? Just yeah. fucking one hike in, one hike out, and then another one. Uh, so then we have to loop around. Yeah, that's but, her but that's her logic. Like, this is the most direct route back to the car, and the other two things were because we had to hit two different film sites. They look at the map. And Mike's angry, but he admits that this is Greek to him. He doesn't know what he's looking at, which I just shake my head because it's not, it's not Greek. It's not Greek. It's 
a fairly like straightforward thing. There are lines on the map that denote the rivers and the trails, and there's some lines on the map that denote elevation. And whether you're going to look at it and be frustrated and and say it's useless, it's, it's no it's no good, it's Greek to him, why not ask somebody what do these lines mean? But no, he's just going to be a cranky asshole. Yeah, at the very beginning, Mike is fucking insufferable as far as I'm concerned. Just as a you have hit whiny baby way too fucking fast like way too fucking fast like you don't even know concretely that you're lost yet you still have food it's still daylight you you haven't set up an additional camp where you're spending the night um relax man relax like at, at the very least voice your concerns say hey guys i'm feeling like we're probably lost like i can't assuage this feeling of anxiety that we're lost you can talk about it but he's just so accusatory and so frustrated like that, like a fucking chimpanzee trying to use a fucking computer. Mm. Just, I guess I'll just fucking, I don't know. I just, and, and so I don't understand this. Therefore, it's useless. Sets up a narrative thread, which goes throughout this film to its inevitable conclusion. Is this the last we see of the map? No. The, the, we will see the map again one more time the day before they officially lose it. Lose it. And that is when, by the way, their sleeps aren't going too well because it starts off on a bad note when Heather admits that they should probably make camp. And both Mike and Josh are like, are you fucking serious? And this becomes a matter of they're still not their minds aren't still entirely on survival and you can tell their minds are still on the inconvenience of we have lives back home that are about to be disrupted we need to get gear back to the university because we took it really without asking we i have to work i have a job i have to be there at nine in the morning i have to be there at nine in the morning and and those are the things that they're concerned about. They're still concerned about, you know, like going back to to something like, you know, uh, the movie Frozen that we did. You know, she's worried about her dog. She's worried about like, oh, my God, my apartment. Like, <laughs> focus on one thing first. Yeah. But again, it's because your head is not on all I care about is I live. I, everything else will work itself out if I'm still fucking alive. Um, they're not there yet. They will be though. Yeah. But this first night, where it's where it's like, okay, they don't know where they are. Heather is still holding true. We just will never find that car in the dark. So we need to set up camp, and then we're going to find it in two seconds when we wake up tomorrow. Which is valid. That's a valid argument. Although I would be like, we have flashlights. I will go find the car. If we're that close to the car, that we're going to find it first thing in the morning. I will go fucking look for the car. You guys can make camp all you want. I'll be back. Yeah, especially if we hit a road. I'd be like, if we're on the road, we're fine. Yeah. But I need a road. Let's get to a road first. And, man, that's where they start hearing some creepy-ass fucking shit. This is the night where they they have stayed up late enough that they genuinely hear shit. Like rocks moving around in the bush and, and, and cracking. So, yeah, and so they're out there with the cameras, like, looking into the darkness. But they don't leave the tent. No. And they do 
get some restless sleep not much but restless sleep but they do record it the first night the cackling we didn't get a chance to hear but we've heard this and it doesn't sound like a heck of a lot it could be an animal people fucking with them but Mm -hmm. it does sound like like just something in the forest something moving through the forest it could be a moose walking by you would hear its hooves slipping on rocks you would hear snapping of twigs and things like that who knows what it is but whatever it is freaks them out they're already freaked out they're already angry the last thing they need is something in the woods freaking them out like this when they wake there's three rock cairns around the tent that they had slept in ever the voice of reason oh no wait usually it's the guys being fucking assholes and heather being the voice of reason instead we get one of these shifts in character heather is freaked out because she's like no way we would have put the tent no way we wouldn't have seen these somebody was outside of our tent making these someone what the fuck does this mean there's piles of rocks like at that cemetery Mm -hmm. wow i totally freaked out guys and the guys like what Ah, they were here when we set up tent we just didn't see them it's no big deal no one was out here it was just Mm -hmm. animals and it's like wow when did you guys get so fucking bold they are angry that she's continuously filming the shit though this is this is definitely where uh they're both agitated that she's filming it but josh is going to take this to a different level eventually but yeah, so this is where she she's really focusing on like lingering on this fucking shit. They're packing up their gear as quickly as they can because they're in for another big long day of walking. Mm-hmm. It's worse than Lord of the Rings with the walking in this film. <laughs> Although shit happens, <laughs> it may not be a Balrog fucking fight, but true, no big spider to, no, to kill, no big spider, or to blind at the very least. But they do set out. With the compass, continuing south. They've been fucking walking south for three days. Mm-hmm. So eventually, that's got to help. One of the things that uh, definitely is uh, putting a damper on things is the map's gone. Oh, yeah. We yeah. had had a map. Now we don't have a map. Oh, the map was useless in Greek to me anyway, saith Mike. Yeah, but not before. There's a, there's a pretty interesting conversation back and forth because Josh thinks... That Heather has lost the map. Heather believes that one of the boys lost the map or are playing a prank on her. Mm-hmm. What? Because the idea that it's simply just gone doesn't really make any rational sense. It doesn't work for her because she's had it in her pocket all the time. She knows she wouldn't have taken it out of her pocket. Mm-hmm. The guys have entrusted her with the map, so they feel mm-hmm. slighted. If mm-hmm. anything had happened to the map. Josh says it's the least responsible thing Heather could possibly have done. Yeah. Which has got to hurt because she has been the ringleader and very high on her totem pole up until this point. And yeah. it definitely knocks her down a peg. And it's the first point where we think Heather might cry. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't blame her because it's a stressful fucking situation. And she's held it together a lot better than everyone else's by being the calm, rational voice of reason. Now... When Mike is angry, like screaming and yelling and, and, and huffing along, Josh tries to be the voice of reason while... and But then, of, of course, when Josh starts losing it and breaking down, uh, less aggressively, more uh, sinisterly, I would say, and also like more, uh, he's more of an introvert because he'll break down and cry or he will almost try to, to calmly but 
psychologically attack uh, Heather in certain instances, whereas Micah's contention just literally scream at the top of his lungs at nothing and everything. Yeah. Because yeah. um, he's mad at the situation where Josh is low-key, subtle, mad at Heather and mm-hmm. feels probably like he's been tricked into yeah. the situation more so than Mike. And, and you know what's weird? What's really weird, Lydia? What's really, really weird? What's really weird? The really weird thing is that it seemed as though when the map went missing... Josh became irate, frustrated, and was arguing with Heather. But all of a sudden, Mike is the dude that's, come on, guys, let's work together. We need to, uh, don't worry about the map. Be like, hey, everybody, it's going to be fine. And and just, you know, let's we can do this. Yeah, compass us south, let's go south. Yeah, Calm down, the, come on, guys, follow me. Yeah, like, let's, let's, be, let's be mature about this. Very strange. Weird, almost as if, oh, you motherfucker, you're the reason why. The map is gone. Yeah, and he he gets this. He 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 reveals this in what can only be described as a fit of hysteria. Yeah, <laughs> when it <laughs> is revealed that he is the one, you know, that threw the map in the fucking river. He knew he threw the map in the fucking river because it made no sense to him. Yeah, he's gleeful. He is gleeful, and it's one part having the weight off the shoulders. Other people posited that it is the mysterious psychosis of the Blair Witch and mm-hmm. the forest being cursed that is doing this to him and he's sort of going almost Wendigo here. Mm-hmm. Or it's just that he's fucking at the end of his rope. He's got, uh, not cabin fever, but what did you liken it to? Like, he's, just stir crazy. Yeah, he's stir crazy. Yeah. He's <clears throat> just just uh, at his wit's end and, and he is going through... It starts off as their boots get wet because they have to cross the stream. Heather is mad about her boots being wet. It seems petty and small, but she's, let's be real, she's not mad that her feet are wet. They're, she's mad that they're lost in the woods. Yeah. And she's mad that they seem to be mocking her misery. And and she has felt at this point quite ganged up on, and fairly, because from the moment they entered the woods... Both these guys, either directly or indirectly, were doubting her confidence, doubting her ability to to like her honesty. They are you sure? Are you sure? You seems like you're lying. Even Josh throwing out things that like like the, like I'm not like for your head games. I'm not for your head games. I don't make head games like you. I was like, what head games yeah. are you talking about? Is it her just trying to say like we're not lost? We're not lost. I know where we're going. That's not necessarily a like. He's, she's not playing mind games with you, like because that implies that there's some sort of end to this. And and it would almost be is the implication that he is trying. To, she is trying to fabricate this idea that they're lost to make these people panic for something to happen on film to either to is the implication going to be this evil that hangs in the woods drove these people crazy yeah. and we got lost and this, this is all just i want to film this and maybe that's why she's not putting the camera down is that what it is maybe which isn't fully articulated but i think you're really onto something because some of the next sinister stuff that josh has to say to her because you're exactly right that he doesn't freak out and stop his feet like mike does he or yell at the fucking trees he he takes these digs at heather by like taking the video camera and saying like i don't know i i see why you like this video camera so much it's like things aren't really real 
It's like you yeah. can look through it and everything's like reality's filtered. And he's sort of like saying like, no wonder you're not freaking out because, you know, we're lost in the woods and we're fearing for our lives, but you have this camera to make it all feel safe. And it's like a movie. It's like you're watching a movie. So it's like you're not even here, is it, Heather? Yeah. That's basically what he's saying to her. The next step is to say, you're all, you're orchestrating this, aren't you? That's yeah. the fucking smoke too much Maui Waui yeah. kind of <laughs> paranoia level. But that is really the next step. So you're definitely on to something there. Because mm-hmm. he might as well be saying with that, like, are you all, you're setting us up to make a movie? Is that what it's all about, Heather? What you see through this viewfinder? Yeah. So you, quote unquote, lost the map. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I didn't lose the map. I'm not playing head games. Because when he says that line, I'm just sitting here thinking, like, what the fuck's that supposed to mean? Yeah. Head games, mind games. What the fuck are you talking then about? Then I remind myself, we are only privy to so much of their day. They film all day. We know this. They're mm-hmm. out there for days and days. Mm-hmm. We know that, too. But Pretty we also know, yeah, we, we only see little snippets. So this could be the 80th time that he's taken these little digs or... She could have said something that we are not privy to that made him mm. think of head games. Maybe they were an item, and this is all, like, he thought he was going to, like, they were going to get closer, and maybe he feels slighted. Like, we don't know a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Which is makes it so much more tantalizing. Mm-hmm. I could see that being frustrating for some viewers, where they're just like, I don't even know these people anymore. <laughs> yeah. But I like it. I find it tantalizing. I like the idea, the, the 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 desperate pleas that have come from that come from all the characters, in in ways of like, can we please stop fighting? Can I can't handle fighting? I don't want to fight anymore. Stop yelling at me. These are very real reactions. I find mm-hmm. I've said those words in my life where it's like I can't. I understand you're upset, but like you yelling at me is just I can't handle it. Yeah, like I can't fucking handle this right now. Um, because they're regardless of the fact that you're mad, I'm mad, we're lost is the main fucking problem. We're screwed right now. So we need to fucking figure this out. Because once you have no map, what fucking direction are you going? They still have the compass. But guess what? They just walked 15 hours in one direction to end up right back where they fucking started. Well, if you think that's the end of the frustration, especially from fucking Josh, which I love the character of Josh, mm-hmm. and it helps. Like I used to pal around with a guy that looked a lot like him, so it's helpful because I doctor's guy. Yeah, <laughs> and I, it, it like, I can see this person acting this way, so it has another level of reality to me. Um, but he starts basically terrorizing Heather. Yeah. Like, here, here's your motivation. Since we're making yeah. a fucking movie, here's your motivation. You're lost in the fucking woods. Someone threw away the fucking map. And he has this great big spiel about the Blair Witch, and he lays it out. Like, if you need a Cole's Notes about the Blair Witch Project, you can take this, like, minute and a half fucking mind fuck that he pulls on Heather. Mm-hmm describing exactly their situation about being lost in the woods and he's screaming it at her with a camera in her face while she's crying it's great it's fucking great i love that scene because it is quite heart-wrenching it really doesn't matter who you are if you don't like this movie or whatever or you don't like found footage or all that stuff or the woods don't freak you out it's crazy to see someone who was so mild-mannered and so chill up until this point, even the first time he takes a dig with her about her camera and the yeah, movie making. More passive aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. And sly and subtle and a little sinister, like you'd said. But this 
is insane. Yeah. Yeah. And he and he, and this scene goes on for a fucking while too. He he really really gives it to her. Like in a way that that is so it's so mean. Like you think he's going to hit her. Yeah. 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 Or that she's going to strike out at him or someone's going to club somebody. Like it's mm-hmm. it never comes to that, of course, but yeah. it feels like it. Mm-hmm. And it's just done so so well. Without it being like, I don't know how much of this scene is good filmmaking, good direction, or if this was all just, I'm going to shake things up by screaming at Heather, and Heather gets it and starts like really reacting, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. how that was crafted, and I, I don't care to know. I like it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really fantastic and creepy. It's really, really creepy. Uh, particularly since at this point, um, when... We're we're at a point in which like shit really starts to go down at night. That's where we hear children laughing. That's where tents shake. That's where we are running in the middle of the woods. Very famous line from this. What is that? What the fuck is that? Screamed at the top of our lungs is Heather saying this. It was in all the fucking trailers. And when people are referencing this movie, I mean, there's a very, there's a much more famous scene, but what that this was this type of shit because this is like high octane, yeah. And and again, what is that? What the fuck is that? What is that? Lydia? What we didn't we didn't see we, we because we see. are the point of view of the 16 mil camera following Heather in the bush, yeah, which makes it even more surreal, yeah. So we don't like it's like we can't get our bearings. We don't know who's holding what. We don't know what who's seeing what. All we see is whatever the light is hitting on the sixty millimeter cam- uh, uh, camera, which ain't much. It, you can maybe see a meter and a half, two meters, three meters at most in front of you with that fucking thing, and everything else is just pitch black. It's in fucking black and white. Like you can't see shit, and and the restraint also for budgetary reasons, but just the restraint of we don't need to show this whatever it is. Yeah. And is it a person? Is it a presence? Is it many people? We don't know. We heard children. Maybe that sounded. It sounded like voices coming from all over. It sounded like a bunch of. It looked like a bunch of people simultaneously shaking a tent. To say, eh, hey, get out of there. Oh, I'm pretty scared, right? <laughs> Just trying to terrorize these people. And they stay in the woods huddled together in pitch blackness until sunrise. Come. Which sounds plausible. Too scared to move. Too, oh, like, yeah. you know, you got your cameras rolling. It seems that they rolled as much as they could through the night. Like, And what, what are we to believe? That they can see in the dark and we can't? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the only thing... It's like if we sit quiet and we turn off our fucking cameras, they shouldn't be able to fucking see us. They had already sort of tried this trick where, okay, the last few nights we heard something in the bush and we had a fire every night, so we're not going to have a fire tonight. Mm -hmm. So they tried to like ward off whatever it was to no avail. They had the worst experience so far. Oh, yeah. That night and is very terrifying. And it is what the goal is with a lot of found footage. I don't know how many people have gone out with cameras to try and make something like this since it came out. And you can probably accomplish something very similar to it by running through the bush in the dark with a camera and a flashlight. Everything would be a little bit tense and scary. Not quite like this, though. 
No. It's it, just the energy, the raw energy. When the scenes are at their peak, it's just, I've never seen it duplicated authentically. The believability of it really, like, the believability of it really reminds me of the Diet Love Pass incident. And if only they had had motion picture at their disposal and could take footage like this when whatever happened to those hikers happened. I believe that it would have been something like this is what we would have seen. Mm. Just from what evidence there is of that incident. Mm-hmm. It must have played out something like this. And mm-hmm. that helps. My imagination has already built this scene before mm. a couple times for other things. So now this tracks to me that because it's not a film, right? This is a found footage, real, true happening. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't stop in the middle of the path and look at the thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's terrifying. So when they wake up in the morning, question mark, because I don't think they really slept. I, I think that they waited until dawn and they didn't sleep whatsoever. They go back to their camp. It's been ransacked. But the stuff that's been ransacked the most is Josh's. In fact, it's all wet. It's got a blue slime on it. Don't know what that means. River slime. There's some river happenings. Kids have drowned before, so it could be river slime. I don't know. Frog eggs kind of get the slime around, but it's not blue. I don't know. It's ghost jizz. Ectoplasm. Ectoplasm. Do you think it's ectoplasm? I I think you might be onto something, but I would even wonder if this thing is, strictly speaking, even a ghost. My interpretation of the Blair Witch, again, I want to save a lot of this for the next one, but my interpretation of the Blair Witch has always been that it is a physical person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the level in which it has been corrupted by whatever it the, uh, this person was into. Yeah, yeah. So it's like uh, a lady Sasquatch with ill intentions. Yeah, very, uh, very uh, like an evil druid. Yeah, like evil, evil Pan. There's got to be like all the other like sort of Celtic goddesses I can think of are all pretty friendly. And yeah, have nice that's hair that's, that's and the stuff. thing about it, right? It's all yeah. like crunchy nature shit, right? So yeah. they're just like, oh, be one with the world. I'm like, yeah, what if the earth hates you, though? So the green man is a pretty dark aspect, but there's no mm-hmm. female counterpart. Yeah. So um, hard to say, but I mean, I would also be equally inclined to believe if you were to say, no, this is this is a spirit of a person. I'm like, yeah, all right. I can believe that. It's just so much tangible things happen that I'm just like, really? A ghost did that, though? Mm-hmm. Weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, the, 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 they're at their fucking end. And I mean, Josh is... This is really where that sinister side of Josh comes out. He breaks down and cries. Mike is trying to, like, please like leave him alone. Let him have his time. Heather wants to keep moving. They're fucked. They're, they're like, and, and keep stopping is not helping anything they're hungry they're tired they got nothing and the worst has happened inconceivable as it may be they have run out of cigarettes (laughs) you know lydia that's only 
I don't know if this is the worst thing that's happened. Well, it seems pretty bad because Josh is having his big breakdown. And then he's like, does anyone got a cigarette? And it's like, eh, we're out, honey. Sorry. Yeah. yeah and he hangs his head pretty low. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty bummed out. That'd be like if you ran out of cigarettes when we were lost in the woods. I'd handle it a lot better. You think so? Oh, yeah. I might think you might fucking sever my index finger and try to smoke it. No, 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 no. I'd be fine. Uh, when I used to cover elections when I was a... Um, like a poll clerk or there's another term for the officer, returning officer, you would, back in the day, have to go the 13, 14 hour day without smoking. So I admire your willpower. Yeah, if, if I have something to keep me busy, like trying to get the fuck out of the woods alive, then, you know, I'm a lot easier to take. But, yeah, they're out of water, out of food, out of everything. When they had their tent ransacked their water was destroyed so yeah. they're out of fucking everything yeah i mean they could drink from the creek i suppose but uh i mean you know keep their canteens full i know that josh basically left his canteen and it had like crap all over it mm-hmm. and so the point is like fine my shit's all over the woods fine yeah like i don't care i know I, I was like and i could understand that it will get to the point in which from hunger from fatigue and from just frustration those packs just get increasingly more annoying and, I mean, how long would it take for them to even just abandon their fucking gear? If this wasn't a found footage horror movie, I would always assume that that'd be the first shit to get lost. I'd be like, fuck it. Mm, but but heavy. as Heather, Heather does point out, it's all she has and they need to record because in a way, I, I think it switches from it's all I have to Heather perhaps subconsciously saying, Guys, this is our last will and testament. Yeah. This is this is what they're going to find. Exactly. So when she's documenting the ransacking of the tents that morning, well, yeah, that morning, then I really think that it's one part. If we can ever find who did this, maybe this will be count as evidence, and someone else will know what happened to us. Uh, as quick as it came, daylight, it's dark again. Yeah. We aren't privy to whatever footage it would have taken during the day. So it just seems awfully quick this day. But it also helps move the narrative along, I suppose, because we know all the fun stuff happens at night. Yeah. Josh is, has been, he's done his sinister turn. He's broken down. Mike's been like, I'm taking first watch. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. He's, he's become Mr. Planner. He's become the rational person because, again, he's just so, they're all so exhausted. Um, well, we don't have to worry about Josh's weird shit anymore. Because mm-hmm. he is going to just fucking vanish. Yep. Disappear. Let me ask you this. Do you think that they both fell asleep in their tent, woke up, and Josh was just gone? Or do you think... like, And Josh was in the tent with them. Or do you think that if they were taking watch, then by the... Josh was last watch. And vanished that's what i think yeah yeah so it's not like they would have noticed him missing Mm-hmm. when they wake up and they're calling for him it becomes not just we're lost in the woods now they're hyper focused on finding josh which they ought to he's not within earshot um that's for sure and after a time they try to rationalize, Let, let's just pack up the gear, pack up the tent. And by the time we're done packing the tent, old Josh will be here. Uh, that does not happen. And then it becomes 
quite obvious after lots of hollering, lots of searching that they just have to keep moving. They don't know where Josh is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They, they can assume that he's been, he wandered off. He left on his own or he'd been taken. They don't know which you're, you know, anyone's guess is as good as theirs. Uh, they do need to press on. Mm -hmm. Heather has a disturbing, deeply disturbing discovery. It, it's just a, it's a bunch of sticks. Yeah. And it's all tied together. Like a bindle of sticks. It's a bindle of sticks tied together by some 90s fashion choices. 90s fashion choices. Oh, well, let me just rack my brain here. Let's see if we can recall who was the keynote hipster out in the forest but a day ago. True. It's with the flannel shirt tied up like they found the fucking corpse of Eddie Vedder. Like, exactly. And that is Josh in a nutshell. So, yeah. yeah he's a grunge kid. He was a grunge kid and grungy film kid. And that's not even the worst of it. She seems to be the one's like, okay, I'm going to take this bunch of sticks. I'm going to throw it over here. And that's the end. But eventually she goes to investigate that bindle of sticks further. There is a bloody pouch in it. A bloody pouch, like a puppet, if you will. Yeah. Made of more shirt. Ooh. Yeah. Indeed. Filled with teeth. Oh, delicious. Quite quite the choice. You know, you give me a, a posy, if you will, and you stuff it with talismans. Ooh, is this some sort of necromancy? It might, I don't know what it might be. I I, like to me, it, it's it, to me. I've always interpreted it as like this is like the 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 pagan equivalent, I suppose, of like killing a fly in your house and leaving the body on the table as a warning to the other flies. No, that is a pagan equivalent of fucking writing "You're next" on a brick and throwing it through your window. <laughs> the, the 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 magazine clip clip out uh, ransom note. Yeah. No. Um. She doesn't tell Mike what she's found. No. She flips out, washes her hands, and the the finding of it is fairly realistic. There's a lot of heavy panting and snob, like slobby, snobbing. She's like, very, she's know. a very slobbery lady. By this point, yeah, she wasn't up until here, but she's all like phlegmy. I say, I think it's a lack of cigarettes. It might be. They would dry her out nicely, but she uh, is sniffling and very terrified and mm. grossed out and freaked out and doesn't want to admit or say or think that Josh must be dead. He must be dead. There's hair and teeth here. Obviously his, wrapped in a shirt. What else is this supposed to mean? Yeah, it's somebody's teeth, somebody's fresh, disgusting, bloody teeth. And it's not just like, oh, here's a tooth. It's pretty, it looks like at the very least all of his molars. And it's, yeah, it's molars. Yeah. So, I don't mind the dentist, personally. Yeah. But I wouldn't be comfy having a mid-forest extraction yeah. done at, at night. That's Of, like, horrible. all of my fucking teeth. They do hear him hollering in the darkness. They do. Why teeth? Why hair? Ugh. But you have pointed out something really interesting, is that you can survive without your teeth. <laughs> Bear this in mind, kids. You can live... With an entire mouthful of catastrophic teeth failure. Yeah. You, All your life. Yeah. We've been doing robot teeth for a, a while. Yeah, we have been. So, or the no teeth, the no teeth look. You yeah. know, a lot of people rock the no teeth. Old gummy Joe. Small. Yeah. So, you know, without your teeth, it's no big deal. Painful as hell, I'm sure. But, yeah, they do hear him hollering. They find his teeth. Heather hides the teeth. 
and it, it refuses to admit she washes her hands very lady macbeth here mm, puts her gloves on yeah. too mm-hmm. just, just gotta put my gloves on yeah just gotta just put my gloves on it's like mm. my god they're all freaked out mike doesn't really call her out and like why are you acting so weird yeah he asks if she's okay mm-hmm. and and yeah, i'm okay and i was like do you need help with your pack nope don't need help with my pack i'm like okay i'm about to have a mental breakdown but yeah. i don't need help with my pack mm, particularly since again they do this dynamic where if i'm not saying that her and josh were particularly close they knew each other though they were friends enough to work together on this project yeah but she really didn't know mike from anybody yeah. really before this project began and now that's the person that she's with uh, I do enjoy that there's this one moment where, you know, Mike does find cigarettes in the bottom of his pack and then they just sort of like sit there smoking together and she leans on him for support and stuff like that. I was like, this also seems very authentic. Yeah. Um, uh, and then when we have that famous uh, Heather confessional yeah. scene. The, the extreme close up with close-up. snot and tears. Snot and tears. Man, there's a lot of snot. Man, there's a lot of tears. You know, this was before selfies were really, you know, people didn't really know how to frame it. She probably didn't care. And also, she was basically doing this by herself, right? Mm -hmm. She was like, listen, Mike's asleep. I am going to... This this is... If if not... This is definitely her last will and testament. This is just her apologizing to everyone's parents, basically. Yeah. And mostly saying how very, very sorry she is. And that is probably where people misremember this, including myself, that she's saying she's so scared because the only time she does say that they are all scared, but it's not, I'm so scared right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But she does say, I'm scared to close my eyes. I'm scared to open them. Mm -hmm. We're all going to die out here. Yeah. As near the very end of her speech about apologizing. She's so sorry that she was insistent on this project and insistent that she knew where they were going and insisted that they stay out there another night. And she's just very sorry. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, I, I, it's less annoying to me now. The first time I watched it, it was almost like laugh worthy in mm-hmm. a way because it was just like oh come on like mm-hmm. get your shit together but i think that's part of just me being someone who tries to have her shit together 99.9 percent of the time mm-hmm. warranted breakdown here though definitely is the second time i watched it i was just kind of grossed out by the snot because i don't i don't take very well to bodily fluids i was wondering how you would, how the snot would treat you it's a little better now. And I mean, the first time I watched it, I think I just turned my head a whole bunch, kind of scoffing at it in a way. Not not as heavily as people who dislike this film, because I did like it. But I didn't see how much snot there was. Mm-hmm. And I didn't notice until like a later viewing that like it's like dripping off her nose and everything. It's horrible. It's, it's really gross. It's really gross. You know, the, the, uh, definitely people like comment on it. This has become an iconic image of the film. It's on the fucking box art. For it's God's the sake. thing people imitate. Yeah. Uh, maybe that goo that was on Josh's belongings was Heather Snot. Maybe she, she's like, sorry, I had, I had my, my midnight cry like I do <laughs> and I just gooped all over it, but I'm too embarrassed. I'm too embarrassed about this whole fucking endeavor to, to admit that. Maybe you're right. <laughs> they start to hear 
Josh calling for them or what yeah. they think is Josh calling for them. It sounds yeah. to us like Josh calling yeah. for them. Tell me where you are, Josh. Another famous line was in the trailer. Yeah. This is just about where they get to the house. Yeah, the quite famous Griggs house, which was slated to be protected as a monument because it was an antique house that was out in the middle of the forest near mm-hmm. Germantown, Pennsylvania. I think it was near Germantown, Pennsylvania, uh, or Granite, Maryland, sorry. Germantown is not in Pennsylvania. Germantown's in Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, Granite, Maryland is where the Griggs house was. Which is an actual fucking house, or was an actual house, till they inexplicably tore it down unannounced, even after it had been designated as a protected site. I mean, Jesus Christ. I can, like, this house is beyond dilapidated. Oh, yeah. Like, there, there is a point, you know, that sponginess of the floor. There, there, is, there, there is no, not only no force on earth could get me in there, if for some reason a force did exist that could get me into that house, there's no way someone my size would look at that fucking stairwell or go into the second level of that oh, house. Oh, yeah. It's I would, dangerous. I would just be like, are you crazy? This is a big house. There's three fucking levels to it. You send, you send kids up there. That's what you do. You send the latest person in the bunch to go investigate. You use a stick and you're pushing on the floor like you would testing ice as you're walking out on a frozen lake stick to the edges and yeah stairs are a bad idea if you do go up the stairs in a spongy house stick to the edges of the stairs that's good advice Mm -hmm. uh i never will i've been in houses like this i know stuff scat shack and all that kind of stuff that was in your life exactly there was uh, one of these houses that me and my sister were gonna go in but we looked in the window and saw that the attic had caved into the second floor had caved into the first floor and we were looking down into the basement which was not dissimilar to this basement but it had all that timber (laughs) in the bottom and basically a lake and moss and ferns and a whole little ecosystem (laughs) growing in Mm -hmm. this house because it had caved in entirely we didn't go in that house of course there was no inside of the house to go into this one is like not long away from that being in that state the chimney's collapsed in on itself and everything. Like, it is... I guess I can understand why they would have tore it down. It had been designated as a protected site, so I'm still cranky that they did. Yeah, and I mean, it's always a shame to lose it, but at the same time, fuck this house. And I'm glad it's dead, and I hope it burns in hell. <laughs> so you wouldn't go in, even if it was, like, raining, or... No. You, know, you, you said you, wouldn't, you might not go in if a friend needed assistance. One thing I like about them going in this house... Is that Mike's just like, I'm going in the fucking house. It's like... Mike takes on this persona, which I do buy. They they feel awful. They both feel awful that Josh is missing. I believe that wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. Mike is coming from the perspective of, I'm sad that Josh is lost. Josh was one of us. And he's gone. He's calling for help. We are going to help him. Heather is not entirely convinced to get into the fucking house because, again, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that this might not be fucking Josh. It sounds like him, but they have heard cackling. They have heard children. They have heard adults. They have seen things that we, we know that the supernatural could be involved. 
there's no guarantee that this is Josh. And even if it is Josh, how the fuck do you know it's not a sniper trap? How the fuck do you know that it's not? they're not leading you exactly where they fucking want you to go? And you know whose house this is. Yeah. Right? This is that serial killer hermit yeah. guy's house. So, I mean, we know what went down in this house already. If these Blair Witch cult hippie people are out there and they have an end game to their fucking with them if that's who it is it's gonna be something horribly sinister mm-hmm. or i don't know man if it is a supernatural presence this is its end game as well mm-hmm. and no matter what they want you to go into this fucking house it wants you to go into this house however whatever you want to fucking call it now if it's josh fucking with them yeah then it's not so bad but it's still you're right there is no guarantee that it's Josh, she's the only one that's privy to those teeth and hair. She's the only one that's privy to whatever it was she saw the night they were running from the sound of giggling children. Mm-hmm. They, and she definitely knows that Josh is dead. Mike is being led upstairs. And this is where, listen, this fucking house, I don't like the moment they fucking walk into it. You know what I like the most about this house? What? Is it? Mike is right in front of her with a camera and a flashlight, and she's continuously saying, Mike, where are you? I yeah. love that. It's maybe not intentional. I don't know. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But I love that because more than once, maybe three times at least, I'm like, he's right there. Mm-hmm. Less than less than, a, less than two meters away from you. Yeah. But there's so many twists and turns, and he does go upstairs first, and she does follow him. We can see him, though, on the we, camera she's holding? Yeah. Question We can, but like not in every instance. But in, in a lot of the instances, she's got him. But he's you just get the sense that he is bolting through the fucking house yeah. at top speeds because he is looking for Josh. I don't. There's something you go. You look at the fireplace. Here's like a random bottle, a child's shoe. There's nothing else in here. The walls are. There's no windows still uh, intact in this entire place. There's no doors anywhere that seem to be intact. There's entire gaping holes through walls. Um, there's holes in the floor. There's holes in the ceiling. There's just, uh, this is just a fucking mess. There's not, this house no longer keeps the elements out. This house is basically a house only because at one point it was a house. That's, that's yeah, it's become really one with the forest at this point. I've yeah. seen uh, some cottages like this. And there's a, an abandoned town uh, off Highway 69 uh, outside of Commanda, a lot, quite a ways outside of Commanda, Ontario, called Pacalci. And you have to walk down railroad tracks to get to it because no roads go to it anymore. And there's quite a few buildings. And in one of them, it was um, a general store at one point of some sort or a post office or post office slash general store straight out of fucking Red Dead Redemption. That's what era we're talking about. But it was there was no furniture in it, but all of the sacks and receipts and paperwork and ledgers and leftover ticket stubs and all that stuff was just piled in the middle of the floor. Really? It was so weird. And it was covered like they had moss and dirt and debris and all kinds and stuff from the shingles or whatever it was that had rained down from the ceiling that had holes in it from the elements. It was rotted right out. But there was this huge mound of like memories. <laughs> That's creepy. That you know what's wonderful. you know what this house has got for memories? Children's fucking handprints on the walls. Yes. 
Ugh. If they couldn't have dialed it in anymore. And, yeah. you know, what kind of set dressing can you ask for? I bet you that house, like, I never saw the Greg's house, but I, I bet you that was exactly what it looked like, minus the handprints. Yeah. There's also some uh, glyphs on the, the, the frames of the house here and there. Uh, Which, unlike when we did the ritual, I didn't bother to try and look them up because I'm a, yeah. I'm not assuming that they are... Any sort of actual language like the Futark or True. tree language or Ogham or anything. But then, of course, once they... It's like, okay, well... And there's a point in me where I'm just like, Mike, you... I understand you want to find Josh. I understand that you feel really compelled to do this. But can you not see that you are getting led around this house like an imbecile? Can you not see that... You can see everything in this house. There's nothing here. But does do you maybe think like it kind of looks like he maybe knows where he's going? Uh, a little bit because he's like he's coming from the basement. I heard him in the basement. Basement. Yeah, like you know your way around this place. But he's he's stomping around like he does know his way around the place, which is really strange. Yeah, that basement, by the way, is a nice old dirt fucking basement. It's a cellar. Yeah. Yeah. It is a cellar, tried and true. Yeah. And, well, his digital camera doop, goes to the side, onto the ground, instantaneously. Then, this is, we're left with Heather, and she is looking now just for Mike. Um, she's not looking for Josh. She- no, and we had heard Josh's voice calling Heather, and it was a little too sing-song, even for my liking. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she found him mm-hmm. standing in the fucking corner. I remember the audience reaction to that. Oh. It was gaspy. You heard people just like, oh my fucking God. That's how successfully they set up this fucking lore in this movie. Yeah, I like that. I like that. It, it, th- th- this movie in which, you, you know, I'm always th- I'm always talking about, like, you know, people say this movie wasn't that great or people blah, blah, blah. I'm like, listen, I was there. I heard people's reaction live in 1999 when Heather walks down those stairs and they turn the corner and Josh is, or uh, Mike is standing there in the fucking corner. It worked. They were mm-hmm. sprayed. Mm-hmm. And so was I. And then when that camera hits the floor and it flickers, I thought for sure, okay, you're going to see like something, something credits. Yeah, that's all you get because that's where the footage ended. That's where the footage ended. Yeah, and it's not a movie. It's a real thing that happened, right? (laughs) Yeah, and you don't get to see, you don't see anyone die. You, You assume, you assume that Josh is dead because he's got no fucking teeth and that looked fucking disgusting you can live without teeth you can live you without reminded teeth. us I thank you for that no problem but you don't see heather die you don't see mike die you see mike standing there clearly alive what happened to heather you're relying on the lore that you were told by townsfolk 10 minutes into this film that's what it's convincing yeah. you they're yeah. all dead they're all well for sure they're all definitely all dead and heather was probably disemboweled mm-hmm. while uh mike just stood in the corner until it was his turn to die yeah unreal super fun wonderful setup for the blair witch which we're going to talk about on the next show but 
you know, I Blair Witch Two does not fit into this the way that you know, um, let's say Halloween Four doesn't fit in, or wait, that Halloween Three doesn't fit in, Season of the Witch. It doesn't fit into the story whatsoever, so people got all cranky with it. That's partially what people don't like so much about part two, and why it doesn't fit into us talking about this for our 150th, which will be our next episode, a very big, important episode. Yeah. 149, 150 is going to be treated as part one and two in a way, because mm-hmm. that's the way that it is. It's Blair Witch Project and the Blair Witch. The Blair Witch, yeah, where, you know, Book of Shadows, again, I, I'd be interested to do it. Mostly I want to take a look at it again. Yeah. Uh, because I saw that movie precisely one time, and that was it. And uh, it wasn't what I wanted as a fan. Because because the, I think one of the things that the Blair Witch Project taught me more than anything, but this and this and uh, the, the Grudge, was just be... If, if a horror movie scared you, it means that you fucking loved it. Yeah. It means that you absolutely bought it. It means that that you were affected by it in the exact way that you were supposed to be affected by it. And so I, so it wasn't even though the Blair Witch Project was on a no watch list, I didn't have it in my collection. I didn't watch it uh, for years, like as I said. And even now, it's like I bought that uh, DVD. That was my first time watching the DVD. Yeah. And I don't know how long I've had that movie in my collection. But I bought it because I said, no, I want this movie. And I even bought it hesitantly because I said, I was like, oh, it's just, I'm not always emotionally ready to watch this fucking movie because I find it so scary. Yeah. Um, and, and so when I saw Book of Shadows 2, it was just, I had seen a million horror movies like it particularly at that time and we'll get into it eventually when we talk about it and it and it was many many years later when in my opinion the Blair Witch gave us the sequel that everyone in 1999 really wanted yeah very much so but I don't think they would have been fully capable of this particular level of fear that they achieve I agree I think that as much as it was a uh when you didn't even know you wanted it. Yeah. And we'll talk about like the brilliant way that they revealed what this movie really was. And the way that they capture a lot of the same feelings in a fully different medium mm-hmm. that you get when you watch The Blair Witch. At least for me. At least for me. So I don't know. If you want to see some fun uh, reaction, I had gone to see Blair Witch with Andy. So you can go to Andy Negative's youtube channel and that's andy with two n's andy negative and there is footage on there i don't know what like episode it is but it's us leaving blair witch and it's good and it was funny mm, oh, very yeah. very cool anyways i'm west knight and i'm typical idea and you've been listening to the found audio footage of dead air you've always wanted to do that remember you've pitched it a couple times we should do a podcast where someone breaks in it's a home invasion and then we gotta like fight for our lives and mm-hmm. I, i'm always like no I, it, maybe it, it starts off as a podcast yeah. and it turns into a radio drama that's that that was what my idea always was wait what's that oh my god they're coming through the door